0: Welcome everyone to the weekly spotlight from Diversity NAPS. My name is Kabir Seth.
1: And I'm Amy Kraft.
0: And thanks everyone for joining us this week. Diversity NAPS is a grassroots coalition. We're made up of researchers, producers, parents, and educators. And our mission is to raise awareness and engage in research about the need for inclusive, equitable, and diverse children's media. And... For those of you listening for the first time, this podcast is one of the ways we do that. We also have a weekly newsletter that usually goes out on Sundays um, that contains a set of articles that diversity-related news from the week, and Amy and I usually like to chat about maybe a few of those articles, or we just generally talk about a topic related um, to diversity um, and encourage you to to share that with with like-minded folks. We also love bringing on guests from the children's media industry, and we have a great guest this week, Carrie ann Wilmot, who is the Toy Queen, um, is is here to talk about the holiday season, the toys to check out, and the growing diversity and inclusiveness in the toy aisle. So that is coming up. But first, I think we wanted to start with election stuff. Um, I think last week we sort of we reacting to, um, to the election. We recorded the day after, right, Amy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We recorded the day after and we've, um, seen in, in a week's time, a lot of movement and sort of organization, um, especially in, in the children's media industry. And Amy, you came across something on the A Mighty Girl website, right?
1: I love this so much. So, um, you know, uh, via social media and in a lot of other places, children's book illustrators are posting signs of support of like, you know, putting like hope back into a children's world. Um, and under the hashtag kidlit safety pin, mm-hmm. um, so the one that just wrecks me like if you know dan santad's beagle book mm-hmm. um there's a picture of beagle wearing a safety pin and it says you will never be alone and I'm choke up just talking about this right. stuff but like Raina telgemeier like has a you know like two women arm in arm as a sign of friendship mm-hmm. um peter h reynolds has this very sweet one where he has like actual safety pins surrounded by a girl who's painted a heart Mo Wilms has a very angry nuffle bunny yeah. <laughs> and it says this bunny has your back. Right. Um, it's just some really beautiful reactions as a way of saying to kids, like you're safe, you're not alone. We've got your back. Like these are all like safety is like a real theme through all of these, obviously. Yeah, for sure. that's,
0: um... I, I love these. I, I thought it was fantastic. I think, um, you know, just for some context, um, we we've seen in sort of the last week, um, plenty of stories of sort of children being targeted um, and vulnerable communities, sort of in schools being chanted at, or sort of um, there have been signs, and whether in in bathrooms or sort of out in public. Um, so you know, the the safety pin has sort of become a a symbol of. A way to to show um, that those who are feeling sort of targeted or, or vulnerable, um, you know, we we have your back. And you know, Amy, you and I were sort of talking about the safety pin before um, before the show, and sort of if it was sort of another example of where, um, you know, I'm trying to remember an example from social media where sort of was it like the the like you changed your avatar on on Facebook to something like a um, like a pink box or something and like was that really were you doing any sort of activism and um, they talk about in the post how um, it's not about just wearing the safety pin right it's it's about actual action and sort of what what it means
1: well and I think that's why there was some controversy the safety pin began to my knowledge its first use was right after Brexit where people who did not support um, Brexit wore a safety pin just as a way of showing solidarity with another um, with one another, that they were not part of all that. It's like, Uh don't blame us. I'm wearing a safety pin. And I think some of, I hear the criticism of the safety pin because I think I've even seen it in my communities that it's all well and good to wear a safety pin. But if that is the extent of your activism, that's not okay. Like you're not allowed to just wear it, feel better, move on with your yeah. day, you know? And I think that that's the criticism of it. And I hear that loud and clear. Um, however, this post from a mighty girl really made me think about like what that symbol could mean to kids like if you said to kids like when you see people wearing a safety pin it could be like the mr rogers quote like when something bad happens look for the helpers Mm -hmm. you know that's something that you can say to kids to comfort them in a time of crisis that you're feeling like you know it look see that person has a safety pin like they love you they want to support you they want you to feel safe you know and if like grown ups I feel like can feel how they're gonna feel about it. But like if it's something that we can do for kids, you know, I think that's great. However yeah. it just can't that can't be it. We can't just change our Facebook avatars and wear a safety pin and be like, we're activists <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really well said. I think that it has to be accompanied it says in the article about how it has to be accompanied by a promise of action and sort of um, exactly that there there needs to sort of be a responsibility from the adults to, to then take action and um but yeah i think it can be really powerful for kids and um it goes sort of hand in hand with how picture books and you know it's something we talk about all the time how children's media can um impact and and affect kids so mm-hmm. um, yeah it was it was a it was a great message we'll, we'll obviously post it um in our newsletter and probably on on the show notes um but just looking at these pictures i think um is is fantastic, and I think all of them you can actually uh, click on and and print out to make them an actual printable if you wanted to hang them up. So, I love cool. it.
1: And similarly, on the brown dot com, there's um, a post called "A declaration in Support of Children," um, and as of now, they've sort of like closed it off, but it has. 400 signatures Mm -hmm. of people who work, um, in children's literature, authors and illustrators who sign on to this thing that says, you know, we are a country divided and we have a commitment to kids, um, to use our talents to help eliminate fear and eliminate divisiveness and hatred and reflect, what children look like and be very inclusive in the work that we do um and plant the seeds of empathy fairness empowerment through words and pictures like i loved that line right and i think you know as we've you know kabir you and i have been on facebook and in children's media groups and the thing the one thing that i think everyone shares after the election it's like we're divided people are scared more than ever it feels great to be doing work for
0: children. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and how can we find a way to heal the divide?
0: You yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, post, right. That, that Tuesday night, Tuesday probably was probably Wednesday morning. Um, you know, I, I sent you a message saying like, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure if I want to record. Um, you know, I'm not sure I'm, I'm not going to be super grumpy. And, you know, you were, Response: I, I still you know I think about it. It's sort of like I think our work becomes even more important. So um, yeah, it, it makes you feel really good to to remember what you're doing and and the impact it can have um, on children. So these were these were two great pieces, and you know it's really good to sort of look back in a, in a week that um, there is action and and people are sort of making sure that the most vulnerable are. Or know that there are people out there that that are there for them and protecting them. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I had made myself a list right after the election of like little things I could do every day to just make the world, the world that I want to live in. Um, And then one thing I added sort of at the last minute was like, make kids laugh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I think that comes from the same place that a lot of like these um, authors and illustrators are coming from. It's like, you know, I want kids to live in a world that feels okay to them, right? And, you know, where they feel safe and happy, and joyful, so, yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, and joyful—that's yeah. great. And one thing that can bring kids joy is toys.
1: Oh, toys!
0: <laughs> and
1: <laughs> I mean, we're starting to see Christmas decorations everywhere, so yeah. it's time to start talking about toys.
0: Yeah, I actually find this very <laughs> annoying sometimes because my birthday. Well, this year, my birthday is right on Thanksgiving. So I always found it annoying when I would see Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what about Thanksgiving? Like, it's fine the day after, but like, can we just hold off until we've had our turkey? But yeah, it's hard to hold Absolutely. it off. Um, but you, you had, um, we always get our catalogs this year and, and you came across the Target toy catalog, right?
1: Well, it's funny because the Target toy catalog came and I think it's the only big toy catalog that we get. And it's just, you know, my husband and I both reacted to it because we both remember the Sears catalog coming in the mail, Uh opening it up, getting a big piece of paper, writing down my (laughs) wish list of like, I want everything. And I always remember at the end of the toy section in the Sears catalog would be like ventriloquist dummies. (laughs) (laughs) And that was always like the last item on my list. Like, I would get to that page. It's like, yeah, sure, why not? I want a ventriloquist dummy. (laughs)
0: Just going to write down the product number here. Yeah.
1: Uh, Page 65 (laughs) ventriloquist dummy. I, it was all annotated with page numbers. It was very thorough. The table. Yeah. <laughs> but what was great. So the Target toy catalog comes. And, you know, generally, like, we stick stuff right into the recycling. But the kids wanted to thumb through it, which was really cute. Watching them kind of go crazy over, like, wow. Ah. But what I noticed in it. And bravo to Target. Like, the kids that appear in this catalog, I swear, this is, like, the most diverse, awesome catalog ever. Like, I'm <laughs> really happy. And I think, you know, like, there's some stereotypes at play, and then there's some real subversion of stereotypes. Like, one of my, the things I liked is there's a little girl and a boy playing together. Uh, the Imaginext DC Super Friends Superhero Flight City, you yes. know, it's like this big superhero thing that you would generally expect to see a boy. boys playing yeah. with. But now, like, I love just that it's like a girl and a boy mm-hmm. playing together. There's a little boy with Down syndrome. There's a girl in a wheelchair with a virtual reality headset on, you know, and so I think that more than any piece of marketing I've seen, Target has done a great job of making it look American. Right. You know, like these are American kids. And so it just like amidst all the rampant consumerism that this <laughs> blog represents there's some really happy stuff going on in here too yeah that's uh, great you know and we'll talk a, a little bit with Carrie Ann about target and their the removal of gender labels in their stores and some other things that they're doing right, right. i think it's really good in the toy space
0: yeah i think it's sort of um you know I, i'd like to think that it's it's a reflection of sort of that commitment right last year when they eliminated sort of the boys and girls aisle and, and, and did those things. Um, and now with the catalog, like you're saying it's, it's sort of a reflection of their commitment to, um, to the world that they want to live in, right. And to the Mm -hmm. world that they want to reflect. So, um, that's great to see. Do you know, is there like a PDF version that we could post and?
1: Oh, that's a good question. We'll look for it and and, uh, link to the show notes. Although I suspect if we were to go online, to target.com. They probably use the same. We might pictures, see yeah. some of the same marketing
0: images. Yeah, great. All right. Well, cool. that's going to wrap up our newsy piece um, for the podcast. But like we said, we have Carrie Ann Wilmot coming up. Um, we're going to talk to her about the toy season, how it's changed. She's been in the toy world for over a decade. So she has a lot to to share with us. So stay tuned for that.
1: Today, we're so pleased to have with us Carrie ann Wilmot, who is the Toy Queen of ToyQueen.com. How are you doing, Carrie ann
2: I'm great, Amy. How are you? Hey, we're so happy to have you. Yes, thank I'm you hoping. so much. You no, know, it's great to be here.
1: So we're coming up on some big shopping days.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure you've been seeing, you know, like, what are the hot toys of this year? Just like right off the bat, like, are there any toys that you're super psyched about this
2: holiday season? I, um, you know, it's funny, I just ended up creating a list, you know, everyone's like, what's the specific toy? I mean, if you are a parent who is searching, the hottest toy that I'm hearing about this year that already cannot be found is the Hatchimals. I don't know if you've heard about the Hatchimals, no. but um, Hatchimals—they uh, are like writing all of them down. <laughs> they are they, so it's a you know a big phenomenon in the toy industry are what they call those blind bags, right? Those little teeny tiny collectible toys that are in those foil bags, and kids want all of them. There's usually hundreds of them to collect, but you know the secret to them is you don't know which ones inside. So they kind of took that concept. Um, The Hatchimals are from Spin Master. They took that concept and they made it into a toy. So there are are, um, these uh, um, toys that basically they're almost like little robots, and they are inside of an egg. And when you take them out and you turn them on, you have to basically help it hatch from the egg. So you might tap it, you might touch it, you might have to shake it. There's like a they have you know all, all these. You'll see the eyes blink through the outside of the egg, and that's. response that the the child has to give it in order for it to start to hatch Hmm. so after 30 minutes of like tapping it and you know doing all of these caring things for it it basically it's a toy that basically hatches out of an egg so it starts to peck its way out from the inside out so then eventually you have this like you know almost like a robot toy and then once it's out it's a um it's either they they have like um they have different names for them there's an owl there's um like a penguin it's like pengualas they have
0: have alicorns Um, they have different names for them
2: yeah Yeah. and they once they're out of the egg then it becomes a child's responsibility to then care for it and it goes from like um, baby to toddler to kid. And then, so there's different things they have to do at different levels to play games with it, to kind of nurture it. Um, so it can't ever go back in the egg and rehatch, but it can go back. If you've kind of morphed it into a kid level, it can be reset to go back to kind of baby mode and you can do it all over again but these things are they're nowhere they're gone they are on amazon already for like two hundred dollars wow. um <laughs> they i ask every time i go to target just for giggles um or like to a retail store i'm like do you have hatchimals um, and basically what i'm hearing is that no there's not on the shelves now and everyone keeps saying check back on black friday check back on black friday so i don't know if there's like Bins of them in the backs of stores that they're kind of withholding until Black Friday. But um if there was ever a toy to be had that anybody ever saw, that this one is the one that is already not wow. available.
0: Yeah, I saw on Amazon <laughs> these are going for one seventy five, and normally they're sixty bucks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, that's
1: interesting because you know it seems to me that like I'm starting to see like a lot more robotics. This is something we're going to get into yes. in a podcast in a couple weeks, but like. Having kids
2: train robots seems like it's a thing now. Huge thing. Huge thing. I mean, it's been around. Animatronic pets have been around for a while with, like, the for real friends right. pets. Like, they've had unicorns this year. They have a new dragon that actually, like, breeds, quote-unquote, fire. You know, like, it it, it it's pretty cool. It eats it, it, like, toasts a marshmallow when it's eating it. So they've always had these... <laughs> toys that you can touch that will interact so like you touch their head they'll snuggle up you know you know they based on basic touch but yes now there is this whole idea of whether or not you're you're going to basically program the toy with and they all have personalities so sometimes however you or the child plays with the toy is the kind of personality that they develop like a Furby, right? Like if you, right. Furby has been known for that for a long, long time, if you, you know, if you aren't very nice with it, then it can get a little mischievous. <laughs> um, so you know, but yes, there's lots this year, especially there's lots of that, those robotic type pets and many that also kind of incorporate the other part is um, coding. There's lots right. of right. animals and um, toys that have that, Coding aspect where they're teaching, you know, kids as young as preschool that idea that if they form a sequence with different toys, then that toy will perform that action as they designed it.
0: Yeah, I, I, you, I've seen it for the older age kids, like the Wonder Wonder Workshop
2: um, yep, toys, yep.
0: Dash and Dot, and then Sphero. But I didn't realize that it's it's all, it's gotten down to that um, to the kindergarten preschool level. Well. There
2: is there's official price came out with it um it's called codepillar so it looks almost like a caterpillar it has these different segments that you attach together uh-huh. and then once once you attach them all together you hit the button and then it will move in that sequence right left play oh, music I see. I see. Uh, It's and then you can basically once they get into that idea of putting it together almost like a puzzle then they can use it to kind of create obstacles so they can put something in the room and then try to figure out how they're going to, gonna, it.
0: Yeah.
2: how to get around it. Yeah. That's cool. You make the point, these, these,
1: some things like this, this play pattern anyway, has been around for a while. Are you seeing changes in the marketing of it? Like we've got like, I think, you know, girls in STEM or like how STEM gets marketed or anything like that this um, is an empathy
2: tool at all. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like it could be. I think it could be. There's one, there's one toy out there from Wowie called Koji, which I thought is kind of interesting that actually is um, teaching coding through using um, emojis and emoticons. <laughs> so that to me is kind of interesting, you know, because I think interesting. when you, when you have kids, my I have a son, he's seven and he's beginning, you know, he's getting to be a more proficient reader, but he's not a fluent reader. And that idea of how do you teach kids to do things when they can't read? Because a lot of what the basis of that stuff is, is letter number sequences and all that stuff. Um, But so I think it's interesting, you know, how they've kind of developed the emoji emoticon piece into when you, it goes with an app, it's a little robot, you know, it has an app, you touch the different emotions, they pop up on his screen. um, And then he displays that, those emotions. So, you know, I think it is interesting. That's the one aspect of toys that, you know, we there aren't really not a lot of, but that kids really, truly need to learn. You know, everything is ABC, one, two, three, academics, like teach them to read. Let's, you know, how are we going to pump them full of all, all these, you know, skills that they're going to need for the rest of their life? But the one thing that they really lack is how to connect with other people in that empathetic and sympathetic way. Mm hmm.
1: Um, that's interesting. Cause this, I think also ties into what you do for a living. You're a pediatric occupational therapist. How does that
2: affect like the lens, your lens in how you look at toys? Um, I, you know, I think, so I have been an occupational therapist for almost 17 years and that's really how I got into the toy realm is that my job every single day is to work with kids, you know, that are at, even at the newborn level or, Um, up to the age of 21. And how, you know, how can we motivate kids to learn how to, you know, advance their skills when it's difficult? You know, so we teach kids about, um, you know, self-regulation, if they have sensory processing difficulties, or they might be on the autism spectrum, or, you know, our root, our basis for OT is really in motor skill delays. So kids that might have, you know, weak muscles in their core or their trunk that impacts their ability to climb or, or propel a ride on toy or, um, you know, use their hands to, you know, do puzzles or stack blocks. So for me, I kind of got in, what I started to realize is that toys had such a tremendous impact on kids with disabilities because it's not only are you using them to advance their skills, but you need to find the ones that are motivating too, because there's only so many ways you can teach a child to stack blocks when it just doesn't become repetitive and boring. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happened was, is that, you know, in a way to, even though that was my world, um, we started Toy Queen as a way to kind of help any parent, because, you know, a lot of these ideas that we were sharing were not just good for kids with disabilities, they were good for any child, because development is development, it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, may you know, maybe your child might be hitting their developmental stages later, but development is still development. So, those same strategies, whether they're you know, doing them at two or doing it at six or nine or 12, you know, really, um, they're the same. Um, and so now I feel like I can't, I still work as an occupational therapist, um, and I still have this kind of space in the toy industry because I feel like they both complement each other, you know, mm-hmm. having. That, that idea of having something new and different um, also kind of helps me, you know, I, it has changed the lens, I think, at which I look at different toys. Because it's not just for me, yes, I look at cost, you know, is this toy, you know, as a parent, I feel like there are things that you look at, <laughs> right. right? You know, am I going to shell out this kind of money for this particular toy? And what am I going to get in the end? Is my child going to play with that toy, you know, for what I think my, my you know, the value of it is worth? Um, you know, so I do look at it, at, at those things, but I do also feel like, yeah, there are certainly, you know, some toys that, um, have a lot more longevity or, you know, can they be passed on from one child to another or, you know, you know, what are we going to do to donate them <laughs> when they're done with them? Because, you know, throwing it in the trash is really not just an option, you know, <laughs> Right. You know? Right. but I think, um, you know, but I do think I try to look at things, I, I just can't. I don't look at things very unilaterally anymore. There is that entire idea of, you know, the full picture. Right. Definitely.
1: Um, we're also seeing a lot of, um, or, or we've seen little bits and pieces. I think you can probably speak to the broader trend of having kids with diverse, uh, with disabilities represented in the toys that they play with. Like Lego Correct. has done some work in the space, and Playmobil, American Girl. You know, like have, are yes. you
2: starting to see more of that on your end? Yes, definitely. I mean, and I think this year, more so than any other year, I feel like companies are trying harder. Not just from a you know disability standpoint, but a diversity standpoint to offer you know something that is you know beyond the reach of you know the Caucasian race essentially. You know, I mean, right. we're seeing you know you know with Barbie they launched at the um, this year the fashion line. So not only were they changing, um, the race of the dolls, but they're changing the size and shape of them, you know, so it, not everything, not every doll needs to be the tall, skinny Barbie as it has been for the last 50 years. Right. right? Um, you know, American girls, well, I, you know, they, I feel like, so this year they launched, uh, Melody Ellison, who is their newest American girl. That's part of the historical collection, their Be Forever collection. And she is, she's not their first African-American doll, but, um, in kind of researching, writing about the doll and learning about the doll, you know, she's a little girl that grows up in the sixties in the civil rights movement. They did a ton of research, um, with an advisory board in terms of the development of that particular doll, making sure that, um, you know, what was designed around it kind mm-hmm. of tried to, you know, make sure that it was a, you know, a doll of the times that represented, um, you know, that community well. So I, you know, I do think that there's more, it's coming. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I could be the judge of whether it's good or not. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think, you know, other people may have different opinions on, you know, I'm sure they would still like things to be more. Or, um, but I think the awareness is certainly um, changing. You know, a lot of what we're seeing too, like Target. I don't know if it was this year or last year, but Target basically rearranged their aisles so there's no girl boy anymore. Right. Um, you know, yep. I think that's happening. I think the toy industry changed their toy of the year awards to not be the boy toy of the year or the girl toy of the year. You know, so I think it's 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 coming. Um, I'm not sure it's always where the public would want it to be, but I do think that people are trying to make a concerted effort to, you know, do something that is more representative at the, but balance that idea of if we're going to do it at the end of the day, it's still a toy and we want to make money. Right, right. So,
1: right. you know, there yeah, is that so balance. Right. I was so excited think? when Target did those, uh, change their shelving and like when I heard about that, I was like this is fantastic. And then when I heard backlash to it, it was very surprising to me uh, because I remember hearing people are like, well, if I just want a, like a toy for a six year old girl, like how do I know what to buy? It's like it, there's that extra step that then requires people to do like know something about that kid, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, right? Does she like building? Does she like dolls? Does she like you know? It's sort of like you just have to go that extra step instead of just grabbing the pink box uh, pink box or the blue box you know right you
0: what do you know,
2: th- it's a challenge oh go ahead
0: what do you Here. think drove sort of the you know you've you've been looking at toys for for over a decade what do you think sort of drove this um, this inclusion of um, you know whether it's toys that that represent people with disabilities or sort of um, toys that, that represent people of, of different races. What do you think drove that? Like my theory is like a lot of this seems to do with, with social media, like the ability yes. to sort of reach out to the, yes. to the brand very easily, um, and organize. Do you think that had a lot to do with it?
2: I think it has absolutely you know, everything to do with it, to be uh-huh. honest with you. I think, you know, social media is so powerful and, you know, you do have the ability to film a 30 second video, put it on YouTube and have everybody share it in two seconds. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, that sends a tremendous statement to, um, to companies that are, you know, to basically change their mindset. And, and if, and people are pretty, you know, consistent about it where they are, you know, they certainly have their beliefs and they are not going to stop until they get either some kind of a a comment from the brand Mm -hmm. or, you know, not necessarily an action plan, but an acknowledgement that they will consider it. Um, And I do think, you know, with the ability to create petitions and get people on board, that it's, it's certainly allowing there to be more conversation about it. And then, you know, action does sort of need to take place when enough people have commented on it, that it does make you go, hmm, you know, maybe we, you know, should do that. And I think, that's why maybe it's taking a little bit of time for companies to figure out what that next step is because even though they might be planning, you know, two, three years in advance for the toys, you know, that are going to be on the shelves, you know, you know, I went to, they have a toy preview down here in Dallas um, in October and it's all the toys that are going to be out for Christmas next year. You know, so a lot of these toys, they're not deciding that they're going to make them today and they're on the shelves within six weeks, you know, they Mm take time. So I think it's there's been a lot of um, time that has gone into companies thinking about what people are asking them to do and then really trying to make sure that if they make that change, that it makes sense for their brand and what their brand um, stands for. Right. But absolutely, I agree with you 100%. Um, most of the situations that I know of, um, it's been that there are, are people people who are out there actively asking companies to do something different. And if, and if maybe their favorite brand isn't the one that's going to do it, then they'll move on to the next one that will. So they'll get it, they'll get it somewhere, Uh, you know, they may not get it in the most recognizable way, but they will find somebody who will, you know, hear their, hear their story and make a change. Right,
0: right. I think what, what you just said was interesting because that lead time, the fact that it takes so long to sort of plan out what the next, um, you know, what the next toy is going to look like. Or like you said, the the toys for next Christmas are already sort of in the bank. They're, they're already planned. I think that sort of goes back to what we've talked about before, where the company itself sort of has to also have people with diverse backgrounds and sort of diverse experiences so that the toys that they're planning out two years in advance sort of have that. Because if you have sort of a whatever sort of, um, anger that's being generated on, um, social media, there isn't really much you can do or or a toy company can do in that, in that short amount of time. Right. Um, Right. I think we even saw that with the, where's Ray stuff. Right. It was sort of like they were, they were stuck because they had sort of made these toys without Ray, including Ray from star Wars. Right. Right. And there, there wasn't anything they could, they could do. I, I guess they added the toy later, but it was something like six months or, or, a year down the, down the road.
1: Although the interesting thing there with the learning curve, it's like prior to Where's Ray, we had Where's Black Widow, Where's Gamora, <laughs> right? You know, I feel right. like yeah. that, that's an aisle that we've in particular kept our eye on as the action figure aisle. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and then, a huge, and then yes. like like are um, companies getting it now or is it going to be, I am elemental or some of these other action figure companies to right. your point coming in and saying like, all right, they're not giving you Ray. So
2: check out our action figures. Right. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. right. No, that, that, that's, a, you know, and going back to kind of that conversation about trends earlier. And I think what people will find this year is that um, female, action figures are huge. I mean, and they're not dolls. They are clearly action figures. You know, they are not meant to be. It is not about the hair play. It is not about the fashion sense per se. They're cool and they're maybe fashionable in their own way, but they are very clearly um, action figures, which is Mm -hmm. is really neat. Yeah, Yeah, we now have like the
1: DC superhero girls, right? which I think is an interesting one. To your point, like they're super articulated and pretty cool looking, I think.
2: Yeah, they are. They are. They're bright. What I like about them is their colors. They're colorful. They're catchy. Um, you know, they have you know accessories to them that are, um, you know, able th- that it work. You know, and, and even in that, aside from the action figure line, it kind of goes back into the role play um, stuff too. I mean, there's right. you know the Wonder Woman shield, you know, and and some of these other things that have some you know pretty cool features that you know, kids can use for a dress-up play, too. Right. Yeah. Now, the three of
1: us all have sons. Um, Kabir's son was Ray for Halloween, which okay. is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I, just took my, I just took my son to Target and bought him Poppy from the Trolls movie, because oh, I that's awesome. wanted one. Do you think that, you know, sort of like the reverse of it, of having giving boys freedom to shop outside their aisle, too? Like,
2: are, are the toy companies
1: sort of looking at that as well?
2: I mean, I think so. You know, I think that That's why we're kind of seeing some of the the less about the gender, you know, more about it is what it is, you know, that the toy is what it is, whether you want, you know, whether it's for girls or boys or whoever identifies with it, then that's, you know, then that's totally fine. You know, it's. It's funny, you know. So I, my son is seven, and he was miles from Tomorrowland for the second year in a row. He didn't want a new one to him. <laughs> this one's good, mom's working. <laughs> He's like, I don't need a new one, and I was like, Score, save the fifty right. dollars. You know, um, we'll figure that out next year. But you know, it's funny. I think, but he is very, and I don't know. I mean, I have always, always offered him, you know, like a baby doll. That was my big thing. When he was a baby, he was going to have a baby doll. If it was a girl baby doll or a boy baby doll, I looked hard. And Carol, at the time, like seven years ago, they have um, baby dolls, was the only one that I could find that had a boy baby doll. And I think even in that space, what's changing is that, you know, but he never wanted to play with that baby doll because he didn't want it to be a baby. And so now, you know, what's happening is that I'm finding that in that boy space, it's they're creating their dolls, but they're more like pals. You know, like it, it look it's a it's not a baby doll because he doesn't want to rock it or burp it or feed it per se. He wants to like launch it or you know <laughs> I don't know do something. To it. He wants to <laughs> it. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> you know, so
0: I you know
2: I think that um that aspect is also changing where you know companies are kind of you know yes we need we want to you know allow kids different play opportunities, but their play patterns may not always be the same. And he, he, you know, is very clearly, you know, if I showed him a princess dress and said, do you want to try this on? Absolutely not, mom. You know, like he (laughs) has decided, you know, that and I would always give him that opportunity, but he has clearly decided, no, no, I don't want any part of it. Nope. Pink is for girls. Nope. You know, and so I'm like, okay. Right,
0: right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my husband always joked about, like, we had, like, a rocket ship that opened up, and there was a potty in there, and, like, the the whole thing. And then we had the Bat Cave with all the different sections. He's like, these are just dollhouses for boys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah." it kind of is
2: that the same play experience.
0: Right, same concept, yeah.
2: Like, now I'm going to go to bed. Now I'm going to use the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I don't know if it's, you know, I, I really can only speak about my son, but he is very into, like, logos and the idea of what goes with what. He is very concrete when it comes to what belongs and what does not belong. There is not a lot of emotion that goes into it. It's like, yes or no, you know? That's Um, that's Um,
0: interesting. Yeah, awesome. Um,
1: One other thing that I wanted to ask you about is 3D printing. And, And not so much like the home use case for 3D printing, but how toy makers can now customize things in a different way. Like we've seen, um, I wish I could remember now, like some of the links for it, um, but we can can put some in the show notes, but dolls that are like, you know, if you have a disability, we can make the doll match your disability or, you know, like create attributes of, I think we've seen this more in the doll space, dolls that look like you. Or something that you personalize. And like even Skylanders
2: is now getting into this space, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, um, I don't know. Well, I know I could be wrong. But I remember, so the Imaginators is their new, you know, line for their video games where you can kind of create these customizable um, Skylanders. And I do, I think for a limited time, and I don't know if it's all the time, there was that ability or there is that ability to have your Um, Item used with three D printing to um, for the game, so I do think it's coming. Um, You know, and I don't know what happened to it, but at Toy Fair last year, I don't know if you saw this. Amy at Mattel, they had a three D printer. It was called Thing Maker, and you know, kids could create. Basically, it was a unit that parents could buy for the home that kids could make their own toys with. You know, their own action figures and pieces that went together. It didn't come out this year, and I haven't been able to find any information on it whether it's something that we'll see in the future sometimes we always we see things at toy fair that are all well and good and that week in february and then they disappear and we wonder where they go (laughs) (laughs) yeah it seems Um, like it's kind of like chilled out in the maker
1: space even like when you go to Maker Faire like it was like there are like here are 50 different companies making 3D printers for the home and sort of I don't know if it was too soon and it just wasn't there yet or people couldn't quite understand what its home use was other than I'm gonna make my own cookie cutters (laughs) right 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 (laughs) which is highly appealing to me don't get me wrong (laughs) <laughs> but, but, you know, then to pay $400 for the privilege of doing that is also... Right. But the imaginators, you're right. Like, that was, like, meant to be a toy maker. So it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, I went to Maker Fair a couple weeks ago at Barnes & Noble on the Upper West Side. And there was one... There was a 3D printer sort of over in the corner. But um, nobody was, like, near it or doing anything with it. And then um, there was a 3D pen like a, a 3D yeah, printer yeah. pen um, yep. that was attracting some interest. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right, Amy. It's also sort of a little cost prohibitive. It, it felt like a couple of years ago it was still cost-prohibitive, right? And, like, it wasn't clear what the use case was. Like, what, mm-hmm. what were you going to do with that? Um, so maybe now if there's, like, a built-out platform for people to, to press a button and print the toy, then um, maybe it, it can grow from there.
2: We have um, a program through our local library that you can actually just give them your design and they'll print it for you too. Uh, so I don't know if, kind of, if people are starting to get a little bit more resourceful and knowing that, you know, I'm not going to go buy this 3D printer, but I do have an idea and I want to create my prototype. And, yeah. you know, and I can do that, you know, with my library card for a you know, pretty nominal right. fee.
0: Right. It's like a community. Yeah. It becomes like a community space then, like where, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense.
1: Awesome. Well, we started with like a really hot toy. Why don't we like, I would love before you go to let us know things that you just don't think get the attention
2: they deserve. Like, are there any toys that you wish more people knew about? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I feel like that is the, the part that's hard about Christmas, right? You know what, or the holiday season and I know it. So like if I bring a new toy out to a child that I'm working with or one comes over to play or something, you know, I immediately know who has more marketing dollars for commercials and who doesn't because, right. you know, kids will say, Oh, I, you know, I saw that on, you know, I saw that on that commercial, you know, where right. I. So there is that buzz that does happen. Um, so you're right, there are a lot of other great toys that are out there that maybe don't have the budget to be able to market themselves in the Target or Walmart Christmas commercial. Um, so I, I tend to find those for me are more the educational toys, you know, some of those, you know, construction sets, um, the building toys, um, like the ma- I, I love Magformers I mm-hmm. use them all the time at work yeah. um, I think there is something really cool About the pull of a magnet <laughs> You know like when they It's like that, that fidget factor Like that click and that pull When right. you, you put them together um, So they're kind of one of my go to Sort of on the side um, You know favorites That you know, kids can follow instructions To make something or not You know it mm-hmm. can be pretty open Ended Um, that's one that I get that I'm thinking of off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I love those too. I feel like every preschool I go in has magnet tiles. You know, and it is. It was like the first big gift that I got my niece. It was like you need magnet
2: tiles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and for those. Those too. I feel like if you have a specialty toy retailer that's nearby, you know, it like I, I find when I go into like a Toys R Us or you know the big aisles of Target or Walmart, it's overwhelming with there being so many choices that can be hard to kind of pick out, you know, something that might be a little bit different. Whereas if you know, we now where we live in Texas, I haven't found any. There aren't, don't seem to be as many specialty toy retailers down here, um, mm-hmm. as there were when I lived in Massachusetts that I at least knew of that I could kind of go in and browse around and look for something that wasn't, that was different, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't right. exactly, you know, marketed to the masses.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. We all have to value our specialty toy retailers. Right. Like, like yeah. that's one of my, my goals for this shopping season It's just to remember to shop to small businesses yeah, and yeah. The, the human touch of we picked out these toys because we think that they're really great right right and then you know we'll also go do battle in the aisles of target <laughs> <laughs> of
2: course. no don't we all I I mean, last, last year i got this like incredible deal on a lego set it was like not and that's you know even black friday is kind of an interesting for me like a shopping scenario because everybody's always like well what do i look for you know what am i going to get in the doorbusters and to me i mean I, my impression has always been too that the doorbusters are not the latest and greatest it's mm-hmm. maybe something that was something that's a consistent seller or something that was popular a couple years ago that they can drop the price down on to make it a little bit more appealing um mm-hmm. but you know those popular items that you're seeing on the hot toil, you know, the hot lists aren't generally the ones that people are going to be breaking down the doors for. They might be breaking down the doors to see if they can get them off the shelf, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to be getting them at a, you know, a cheaper rate than You know, maybe they would have if they had, you know, I'm, I do see a trend, I feel, of people who are shopping earlier, you know, in terms of, of search and what i kind of find people looking for you know if people are buying a tablet then they've researched that tablet by now you know so that when black friday comes they know which one they want they might pull out their flyers they're going to look to see if they can find it somewhere else if not they're going to just go get it um but you know there are more and more people i find are getting overwhelmed with the holiday season being short and the chaos of it and that they're you know their shopping is being they want to be done shopping by Thanksgiving so that when the holidays do roll around, they have time for family and time to do activities without that stress of, you know, being in a mall or a toy aisle with their entire neighborhood.
0: (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. I think some of that is Amazon too. I've heard that like Amazon sort of drives, like they start Black Friday almost, you know, three or four weeks earlier, they start offering these deals and that sort of drives people to get into the... To the shopping spirit but that also makes sense that they don't want the stress because holidays are stressful so oh
2: yeah. crazy yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I mean I was in Target the other day and my son always says to me he's like we're not here for you mom you know because I'm like the, <laughs> a proverbial window shopper you know I'm like what do they have like where's the blank spot in the aisle today and he's like uh we're here for me <laughs> and we are not here for you um but you know I find you know I, I have found like the last maybe month or so this the shelves are with what is available unless it's like the Hatchimals the shelves are stocked and the and there already are sales you know going on so that for people who do know what they want they're probably going to get a you know a pretty um comparable if not you know less expensive price by shopping earlier rather than kind of waiting and then having that stress of you know you know getting to the store and it not being there you know, and the other part that's interesting, too, that I don't think a lot of people know of is that there's this idea of exclusivity, you know, and I think you yeah. kind of noticed it, Kabir, when you went online, you know, when you were looking for these Hatchimals, there's like the Toys R Us um, exclusive version, and then Uh-oh. there's the Target exclusive version. So <laughs> what toy manufacturers are doing is they're saying, well, we're creating this brand, but it maybe it's only going to be available at Toys R Us for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, or maybe, you know, there's going to be this version at Toys R Us, and this version at Walmart, and this version, you know, at Target, and, you know, so the parents are scrambling, trying to figure out, well, oh, my kid wants X, Y, and Z toy, and then they get there, and they're like, what do you mean, you don't know what that is? Well, you know, cause it's not on their shelf, so it won't be for six weeks, you know? Right, <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, I've seen the same thing, uh, Barnes and Noble does exclusive stuff with, um, they push it with, like, the Harry Potter stuff, like, this is the Harry Potter Barnes and Noble version, not available anywhere else. So yeah, yeah, it's just another Mm -hmm. marketing tool. I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting how like sort of retailers, toy manufacturers have all sort of had to adjust to sort of the new world. Right. I mean, like, I think there was an interview with um, the Mattel VP where they were talking about Barbie and she like basically came out and said that like, no, Barbie sales had dropped for the first time in in forever. And like some of those changes that we made to the doll was driven by, by that. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting.
2: Yeah. Everyone still wants to make money,
0: right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's,
2: and that's exactly it. Right. You know, and, you know, I've, I've done some consulting for companies too. And, you know, I feel like we have all, even as an independent person, we have these great ideas of like what they could do to, you know, modify that toy and make it awesome. And then, you know, the response is usually, but I need to make it for under X, Y, and Z dollars. And Mm -hmm. that part that allows me to do that is not going to be, you know, isn't just going to be feasible yet. So maybe in a year or two when the price of whatnot comes down or we can get that here for whatever price. Yes. But today, great idea. Try again. (laughs) You know? And so I think, you know, as a parent, I think that's why it's easy to sometimes maybe get frustrated, but the reality is that it is something that people are making, they are making it for our enjoyment um, and for play. But, you know, at the bottom line is what is their financial return on their investment? And, you know, they need to be able to make money off of it and not lose money off of it. Yeah.
1: Sure. And and we also hit on, like, I, you know, the toys that I've worked on, you know, I've seen the reality of what retailers are demanding of these toy makers yes. that it's also right. coming from. Like, it's super easy to just blame the toy makers, mm-hmm. but the retailers have a huge hand in modifying things to you know make it more appealing on shelf.
2: Yes. Or right. what they usually from a price perspective. Exactly. Exactly. You know what they believe their shoppers will and will not, you know, pay for that item. Mm-hmm. Because they need to get a markup too. <laughs> yeah Everybody exactly. Needs to <laughs> Everyone needs to make money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but. yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Yeah. I think this has given people a lot of ideas of what to shop for and how to shop this holiday season.
0: Yeah. Carrie Ann, where, uh, where can uh, people find you besides uh, besides your website? Do you have a Twitter handle or Facebook?
2: Yes, I do, actually. And I will say these days the best place to find me is probably more on social media. Um, okay. So for those on Twitter, twitter.com uh, slash toyqueen, facebook.com slash toyqueen. YouTube.com slash (laughs) Toy Queen. I am on Instagram as Carrie underscore Wilmot. Um, Most of my newer written content, I write as the toys expert at about.com. So the newest stuff, a lot of the lists um, will be listed there, um, toys.about.com. Um, but yeah, through social channel, whatever social channel you like, there, there is odds that I am there. Look for Toy
0: Queen. <laughs> yes, Thank you so exactly. much. We'll make sure we'll include those in the in the show notes.
2: I'd appreciate it. It was oh. great to chat with you guys. Thanks. And happy shopping. The season <laughs> is coming. Next. I will be sitting on my couch watching everybody shop. But I've there been, you, you know, Santa's elf since July, so I'm about. Shopped and <laughs> you're done now. Out. <laughs> That's
1: great. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Yep.